Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. Back here in Poland again, where the temperature is hovering around freezing, and the air pollution here is allegedly among the worst in the world at the moment. And I just got back from yet another trip a few days ago. Uh, there's about two weeks between the semesters here, so I decided to go to Italy for the first time, and um, this time I took a week to explore the Campania region of Italy, uh, right in the center of the country, and that includes the city of Naples, uh, visited Pompeii as well, and then different parts of the Amalfi Coast. And this episode's going to be just me trying to piece together my memories using the photos that I took, so strap in and enjoy this week's episode about my trip to Campania, Italy. So I took this trip with Kwanza, who was a guest on an episode from a few months ago, which if you haven't listened to it yet, you should check it out. Uh, we flew from Wrocław at around noon and arrived in Naples just about two hours later. I think it's interesting. I think um, Ryanair, what they do is they tell you that they'll arrive at this time, but in actuality, they always arrive about 15, 20 minutes earlier. Um, I, that's because I've never had a Ryanair flight that was um, that was late, uh, always a little bit early, and I've always been impressed by that fact, but I think they just build it into their their plan so that everyone thinks that everything's fine. Um, but uh, anyway, it's a little hunch that I have. Um, and we stayed with my friend Roberto, who is from the area, and... He was a flatmate of mine when I was living in Lisbon about three years ago. We were living in the same flat, and uh, yeah, I, I met him at that time. And the plan was to meet up with him later in the evening on the first day. So we had basically all day to wander around in the city. So we took the airport bus um, all the way to the port, which... Um, during the warmer months, has <clears throat> it has regular ferries that take people to the islands uh, in the bay and uh, to the Amalfi Coast, but um, it's, it's February, so um, a lot of the touristy functions are halted uh, all over, so um, it ended up being pretty nice, actually, because <clears throat> it was far, far less crowded everywhere, and we could imagine how annoying it would be with all the summer tourists um, taking up space uh, along with the heat and probably be an unpleasant experience. Probably still would be, would be fun, but uh, this is just another version, less hectic version um, of this trip. Uh, and yeah, it was generally cool and a bit overcast during our stay, uh, and when it rained it was pretty cold, but uh, that's the, the trade-off when traveling season and almost immediately I formed the impression that Naples is a dirty dirty city um, it's it's not a bad thing actually I I like being in a dirty city I've, I've lived in Berlin Lisbon and San Francisco San Francisco where there's human shit on the sidewalks um, and I think it gives it makes the city 
more real, so to speak. And um, in Naples, there's, there's just trash everywhere. It looks like garbage is just <clears throat> barely being kept up with. And a lot of people there look a bit rough, um, not in a dangerous way, but they're looks like they've all grown up in a chaotic place. They're they're surrounded in a uh, in chaos. Um, their motorbikes and cars tearing through all the tiny alleys, or and people are trying to walk around. They they just walk around like they're expecting not to get hit. And it kind of reminded me of Saigon in a way. Um, not as extreme, um, not as many motorbikes, but it, you just have to walk down the street, across the street, and assume that no vehicles are going to hit you. Um, so it's, it's just a different culture. And so we were walking around uh, the whole time, and I want to add that there there isn't actually much to see in Naples in terms of tourist photo ops and monuments and things like that it's it's an ugly city that uh, again it's, it's dirty chaotic and doesn't really have any nice public hangout spots so it can feel a bit claustrophobic and stressful at times but that's actually the character of the city uh, when you pass the the homes in the tight alleys and you see glimpses um, inside these inside the homes, they just they have like a door and then a window. You can see right into their their uh, their, their dining room tables, and uh, you see people who've made peaceful little lives in this chaos. And if you if you've seen pictures of the way people lived in Kowloon City in Hong Kong back in the day, um, uh, so this would be like the eighties and seventies when Kowloon City was really crazy and just this like tight, um, walled city. Um, if you saw those photos, then you get you get a sense of what I'm talking about. So um, the scenes that you'll find in Naples won't be so much monuments, grand buildings, uh, big squares. They are squares, but it's not like the way they feel in other cities. But uh, you get a sense of the spirit of the place and the people who live there instead. And... Uh, and for sure the food, um, that's a big part of it. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, one of the main reasons I visited Naples in the first place was because it is the birthplace of pizza, um, which it's become so ubiquitous in the world and has a special place in the cuisine of the United States as well. And so that'll be covered a bit later when I talk about um, a day where I had pizza for every meal. So <clears throat> we walked down the waterfront area and up to Piazza del Plebiscito. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'd have sort of a Spanish slash Portuguese uh, <laughs> twang to my Italian, I guess. Um, and so this piazza is the, the only one of the only touristy things in the city, I would say. One of the touristy sites areas in the city. Um, and we watched a group of fat kids play soccer, which was really funny. And we would find out later that based on the diet that's practiced in Naples, like why these kids were so chubby. Uh, I'm not sure how that gets sorted out later in life, but it seems that the Italians just, they have a way of taking care of all the carbs and sugar. And that way is kept secret from the rest of the world, the world somehow. 
I don't know. They put away a lot. Um, and then we <clears throat> walked down around the corner and saw all these these immigrant um, umbrella vendors scrambling around. And, and then we just picked a cafe to stop at. And uh, as soon as we ordered a couple espressos, it, uh, it started pouring outside. So we sat for a bit and watched people rush to safety from the rain as we sipped our espressos and waited for the rain to pass. Um, and the coffee, by the way, in Italy is phenomenal. Uh, I think it's I think it's it's known around the world that this is the case, but um, it, to me, the, the coffee in Vietnam is still my favorite, but this stuff is great, and we would have a few every day that week, um, and you get them in these, these coffee bars where they, they give you an espresso with a glass of water, and people come in and they get their fix and go along on their way, so the, the quality is among the best I've ever tasted, and... Uh, any place you go, uh, it's 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 good, and it's just sort of like a utilitarian thing. Like people come and they say hi to their local uh, coffee person. I don't I don't think they call them baristas, and uh, they take that shot of of espresso and they they go do their do their day's work. And what else? Uh, so you go down to the corner near the piazza we were at before. And uh, there's this cafe that looks way too fancy for us, but we checked it out, and it turns out that it's a well-known cafe where writers and artists used to hang out. And it's sort of, uh, I guess it, it's the way that, there's that cafe, what is it called? Um, the, 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 I'm blanking on the name. There's that cafe that's in Vienna that's like really famous for all these historical people passing through, and it's really fancy inside. So this place looks kind of like that, and... So the interior is just really, really, like, it looks like you're in a palace. And, um, it, you, yeah, you kind of feel like you've gone back a century to the 1900s where this was sort of just a place to be. Now it's sort of like a touristy place, but it is really, really nice. The workers are all dressed nice, and the glass case is filled with these extravagant sweets and pastries. And, yeah, it was, was mouth-watering, and we'd later get a taste of the sweets in Italy. From there towards the city center, there are several sections of different shopping areas. So first there's this shopping area, then a fish market, cheese markets, vegetables, and uh, sprinkled in uh, all around was, was food. So we, uh, it was about six o'clock and so before dinner, and we, so we tried a fried pizza, uh, which is sort of a local thing in Naples. And when I ordered it, I imagined something that I had seen in pictures on the internet, which is, it's like a manageable portion uh, for a meal or a snack for two people to share. And it's something that they like fold it over and you can hold it in your hands. And that's what I had in my mind. And what I got was a, well, it's a whole pizza fried. So the fried pizza is like, um, like imagine the dough of the pizza with all the toppings and the sauce and the cheese and everything. And that's all stuffed inside there's like another layer on top and then that's fried so this one had tomato sauce chunks of mozzarella and ricotta cheese it was really really tasty and overwhelming actually because it was much more than i expected but that was just it really was just training for the next 
like the week ahead because I ended up eating so much, so much food. Um, but uh, at the moment, I was really, really full. And um, then we made our way to the university and linked up with Roberto and his girlfriend. And he drove us to his hometown where we would be staying uh, in this town called Angri, really close to Pompeii. And it just so happened that it was, it was his, um, his brother's birthday. And we walked into his home to a pizza party. So number one, I thought we were staying at his flat or something, but it was actually his parents' home that he grew up in. So we would be staying in an Italian household, which was an incredible treat to just realize at that moment. And number two, we would be eating pizza. And I was still pretty full from the fried pizza from before, but there are about 20 pizzas there for this pizza party and Roberto's family was about to like, train us <laughs> for eating uh, in Italy and I did eventually get used to more or less eating uh, that kind of volume of pizza which is to say like the minimum is to eat a whole pizza per person but that night I just went through I went through some changes it was some of the most delicious pizza I've ever had in my life and it just kept coming, different toppings, and they insisted that I had to try each and every one of them, one after the other, slice after slice, uh, along with amazing red wine from the region to wash it down. Uh, it, wouldn't, it wasn't the last time that I would be overwhelmed by the amount of food, but it was the first shock. You could call it a culture shock, because I was shocked by how effortlessly everyone seemed to be just inhaling all this pizza. And needless to say, I slept incredibly well that night. And uh, the next day, Guanza and I took the train to Salerno, which is, uh, I would say, the sort of like the bookend of the Amalfi Coast on the east side. So it's a port city southeast of Naples and Pompeii, where you can take buses along the Amalfi Coast. And the only thing I knew about it was that uh, it's where the Americans landed during the Italian campaign during the Second World War, but... There's no longer any indication of the war in Salerno. That was, I mean, it was a long time ago, but they didn't. Everything was sort of uh, patched up, so you can't really tell. Uh, not like other places in Europe. And it was really beautiful, like just the moment that the train rounded the corner and the city it rounds this corner, the sun like beams fly in to the train and. Um, the, the the city and the Mediterranean comes into view and yeah I, oh also I remember this woman who I was, who was sitting next to me on the train uh, she smelled pretty bad and was kind of suspicious looking and she ended up getting into this argument uh, I presume politically related with the people sitting behind us and it was kind of stressful and funny at the same time because I didn't know what they were saying and she smelled really bad but it was just <laughs> there's this Italians shouting at each other and it was just a funny travel moment um, so there's that uh, the town itself was really pleasant we started by taking in the sun at the promenade at the waterfront and then wandered around getting coffee and finding street art all around there's this like residential area that's so there's like the main stretch and then there's another 
area that would be considered a tourist, more touristy area, and right off of that, we, for whatever reason, made this made the small turn and found all this amazing street art. And uh, as we rounded back onto the the main stretch, we ended up having pizza at this restaurant that would. I, it seemed to me that I would normally have a lot of customers uh, outside of the low season, but we were the only ones there that day, and um, it's really good. I, I never had bad pizza in, in, in Italy, so this stuff was really good. We got uh, the, the two main types, uh, margarita and marinara, just try one of each. And uh, when it started raining a little later in the afternoon, we hopped back on the train and headed back to rest at uh, Roberto's home. And the next day was sunny, so we took the opportunity to visit the ruins of Pompeii. And I'm sure you at home listening know about Pompeii, but if you don't, it was a city in ancient Rome that was destroyed and buried when Mount Vesuvius, which is a volcano nearby, erupted. And so it's one of the most famous attractions in Italy, probably one of the most famous attractions around the world as well, because it's a preserved Roman city, and it's really precious for that reason. And it was also the first Sunday of the month, so we were lucky enough to visit the ruins of Pompeii for free. And the the uh, so the museums and monuments are apparently free on that one day every month, so we we're quite pleased with that. And the first thing you see when you approach the entrance is they have the display of uh, some plaster casts of people who were buried by the ash from the volcano eruption. So when they were excavating, they would fill these pockets with plaster where people were caught uh, during the uh, when during the disaster, and the organic matter inside has since disappeared, but the body positions and even the expressions that the people had in their last moments were preserved in the packed ash. So when they poured in that plaster, it preserved that, and they could pull that out, and you could see the details in the plaster. And it's really interesting to see in photos, but when you're there in person, it feels like you're seeing like the shadow or the essence of someone from the past, and it's really amazing. It's... It's also incredible to see the size of people back then. They, they're really quite small compared to the average person today, and I suspect that has to do with the advances we've had in nutrition and medicine uh, since then. But yeah, uh, additionally, there's these uh, the the artifacts from the excavations of everyday things that they found, and. It's super interesting. Uh, like they have, of course, durable things like vases. There's um, what was like plates and stuff like that. I remember it was really cool to see the, the set of dice. Um, it's cool to see artifacts of like games that they had a couple thousand years ago. But it was also incredible that they had uh, a food that was somehow preserved. They had bread. Like it's still uh, keeping the shape of. Uh, a round of bread. They had grains, lentils, and all that was preserved in the ash. And it's a real trip, like that. This food was preserved, like it was like the shadow of their sustenance that we see today. Um, and but that's, I mean, that's something that we all share. We need food too, and it's yeah, it's kind of dumb to say, but there's a connection when you see that in person, like the remnants of 
the food from thousands of years ago that was the intent was for these people to enjoy this food and it never got to them but um all this along with the city the the shapes of these people their belongings in the food was all preserved for us to see and further on uh, immediately at the entrance there's the amphitheater where they they used to have gladiator matches there and it was extra cool that they had a sort of exhibition on Pink Floyd from their concert in the 70s so they had photos and posters and interview reels in the the halls of the stadium and they were also blasting David Gilmore's tasty guitar solos through the halls so that was all in all just a, a treat I didn't know that Pink Floyd had played that amphitheater and yeah so the center of the city is the the forum and this uh, open space where people would hang out and they would have markets and such and all around it you have the homes of people who lived in Pompeii and it, it really feels like walking down city blocks the roads are really well preserved they're sidewalks and crosswalks and those are elevated with gaps for horses and carts to pass through and you, you step inside and you look around uh, a large portion of the houses um, some are more interesting than others, but it's great that you can do that. It's just, it was a really beautiful sunny day trip. Uh, Pompeii is like, it's like an outdoor museum. The clouds were really big and fluffy and the sky was really blue. And we shared a pizza afterward, of course, the way that we ended every day. And yeah, it was a nice change uh, from the gloomy weather that we had been living in the in Poland for months and months, uh, in the northern part of Europe. So, uh, yeah, the and the historic setting was, of course, uh, a plus as well. And the day after, we were scheduled. Uh, well, it was supposed to be sunny, so we d dedicated the that day to getting down to the Amalfi Coast and hiking around a bit. And uh, it was the spot that I researched the most before going on the trip because the photos just look unreal and the uh, the issue was getting down there. I really wanted to get down there but it didn't... Um, if you don't have a car it's a little bit difficult. Um, without And without being there you don't have a sense of geography so I was trying to figure out the best way to reach the little towns on the coast and it didn't look like there was a direct way to get there uh, by bus. You have to... We ended up having to take this way but uh, Google Maps kept saying you gotta take a train down to Salerno and take a bus down the Amalfi Coast, and it turns out it's because these are there are these huge mountains between Angri and um, and and Pompeii and the Amalfi Coast, so you uh, you have to take a train down uh, to the stop before Salerno, which is called Vietri sul Mare, and uh, it's a so we we took a bit of a walk around the town when we got there and it was a nice town you just people were just waking up in the morning and and we then we hopped on the bus down the coast and we couldn't figure out how to pay for the bus so we just <laughs> we got on and we we sat there and twiddled our thumbs a bit and we both got mild motion sickness with uh, all the twists and turns and the on the on the tiny roads uh, along the cliff sides it really is incredible that these buses can even fit on the roads, but somehow they've been doing it for a long, long time. And it seemed like everybody on the bus was feeling all right, but 
we just weren't used to that motion, but it was beautiful, and we were passing through a whole bunch of colorful towns on the coast with fortresses and old churches, and again, the weather was just beautiful, not a cloud in the sky, and uh, so we just waited and <laughs> kept feeling like we wanted to get off, and when the driver announced Ravello, we hopped off the bus and just didn't pay. It turns out that we should have bought tickets at the corner kiosks uh, or stores in the town, but we got a free ride, not a big deal, I guess, and um, we just went on our way. The plan was to hike up to Ravello and then down to Amalfi, and there's a path further down the coast called the Path of the Gods that uh, it was used in Roman times, and people still do it now. It's really cool, but uh, it's, it, that's was that was the one I wanted to do, but um, I didn't have quite enough time to do that. I get down there and then do the hike for three hours and get back to get back home. So this is the alternative I came up with, but it ended up being really great. The hike up was a bit tough. I haven't hiked in almost half a year, but it was manageable, and the um, the, the February air was just the right temperature. The views were amazing, and when you when you reach a certain height, the the path goes flat as you so like go up, and there's like a hill that Ravello sits on top of. So it, as it goes flat at at this part where you you just wrap it along the hill and then go up to Ravello, and there's all these pretty villas with terraces of lemon trees, and there's a lot of nice photo opportunities. And uh, the town itself of Ravello was really pleasant. But uh, it was in full-on down-season mode, so there were like two restaurants open, and the and everyone else was uh, renovating, and it did, it only took us like twenty minutes to walk around the whole place. And I remember we ran into this old man who was parked in his car, probably waiting for someone, and he asked us where we were from, and was just really excited and talking to us in Italian, and we didn't understand what he was saying, but it was a fun little moment with a local. And we had a couple of small calzones for lunch with a coffee. We were just sitting in the main square, um, taking in the sun, taking in the caffeine, and it was just the perfect way to refuel for the way downhill to Amalfi. And I should also mention that we didn't see any other tourists on the hike, up or down. It was like a private adventure, and I'm really glad that it wasn't during the high season in the summer with all the people crowding around the paths. Um, it's like we had it all to ourselves. And after more lemon trees and terraced houses, we reached Amalfi. Um, it was just past the height of the sunlight in the day, so half the town was shaded and the other half was just really brilliantly illuminated. It was really good for photos. And after all that walking, we dipped our feet. Um, into the Mediterranean. Our feet were pretty worn from the hike, uh, so the cold water was just really refreshing. And we had some some of the, the local clementines on the beach, and it was a perfect way to close out the day. And we hopped back on the bus, actually paying for tickets this time at the kiosk, and uh, endured some of the motion sickness again, uh, back to Vetrisul Mare, and then um, back on the train where uh, Roberto's, oh, when we got home, where Roberto's mom had made this <laughs> just 
truly tremendous baked pasta with all kinds of delicious cheeses uh, uh, baked into it and then like the cheeses individually themselves on the table as well for us to try and this is what we had night after night just amazing home-cooked pasta by an Italian mom with various cheeses and good wine so it was just always a perfect way to end every active day just fantastic and that was kind of the last of the nice weather <laughs> Uh, the next day was supposed to be uh, for our visit to Sorrento, which is at the westernmost tip of the uh, piece of land that connects the Amalfi Coast. So we've done the eastern part, the central part around Amalfi itself, and then um, we didn't actually get to see Sorrento because of the weather. Um, I decided that it'd be better just to go to Naples and hang out. And the weather wasn't very inspiring, so... We kind of spontaneously ended up having pizza at the two best pizzerias in Naples, knowing full well that Roberto told, told us that we were going to his local pizzeria near his town that evening for dinner. Um, but yeah, we disregarded that and went along anyway. Um, and Naples, by the way, for those of you who don't know, was the birthplace of pizza. So it's got the most traditional version of it here, not picking sides on the best pizza in the world. I've had some really really good pizza aside from Naples, but this is the OG mother of pizza. So at around noon, we went to Pizzeria de Michele. Michele? I think I'm saying that more or less right. Um, which uh, since the late 1800s has been the best place for the classics, which are pizza margarita and pizza marinara. Margarita um, has tomato sauce, mozzarella, and basil, and it's dedicated to Queen Margarita of Savoy because it was allegedly her favorite thing to eat, and um, it's adopted her name since then. And marinara is with tomato sauce, garlic, and oregano. That's it. There was only two, only two options at uh, Michele, and it was a really, really good, um, a nice way to start off a rainy day. And then we wandered around a bit more, um, and the rain was getting really unpleasant. We wanted to see this, uh, uh, go to this church that had this uh, Caravaggio painting, but uh, somehow, the combination of the weather and the entrance fee, we ended up going to hang out at this cafe, um, looking through a big book of Caravaggio paintings instead of seeing the real thing. It's all good, though, but uh, yeah, I'm okay with seeing just the paintings in a book. That's all cool. Uh, and then we got hungry again after a couple hours and decided to hit up the number one place in Naples, according to the people of today, which is uh, Gino Sorbillo. Um, the head guy is still around, and he's been in all these programs about Neapolitan pizza, and he has branches in different parts of the world. Apparently there's one in New York, so if you're in New York, go check that out, Gino Sorbillo. Allegedly, it's uh, it's it's by the same guy. Um, yeah, maybe next time I'm, I'm in New York, I should go take a look. Go try that out. Um, and allegedly, it is the best, and uh, of all the places that do pizza in the classic way, Gino Sorbillo was absolutely the best, and it 
just feels good to sit there because uh, usually there's a wait and it's not that long when it's not tourist season and when it's not meal time. Like so we had food we had been we were eating there at like four thirty, so it wasn't like the height of meal time in Italy. Um but because you have to wait it feels like you've accomplished something when you're sitting in the restaurant itself chowing down on the pizza. And yeah, just the weather was pretty bad so we decided to call it day and just head back to Angri and just relax away from the rain. Ended up having to wait uh, an hour in the cold for the bus, but we made it, and uh, little did we know fate had saved the real pizza experience for last. So, as I said before, Roberto had said that we were going to his local pizza place, uh, so that night we went with Roberto, his brother, and a couple of their friends to a nearby town called Castel San Giorgio to a pizzeria called O Saracen, which Roberto and his friends had been going to for years as their this was their local pizza restaurant and they're sort of the Neapolitan style meets American toppings pizzeria because the dough and the technique it's still Neapolitan but there's a wide wide variety of toppings and uh, different uh, to choices. And I ordered this one called Da Michele, which <laughs> it's the same name as the first pizza place, number one. And actually not number one, it used to be number one, but now it's Gino Sorbillo. But anyway, um, same name as that restaurant, but uh, it was with basil, parmesan cheese, chunks of but, uh, buffalo, mozzarella, and and sausage. Oh my god, the, the sausage was otherworldly. This the, the sausage has this this fattiness, so the fattiness of this sausage, like it bled out and soaked into the dough of the pizza, and I swear to God, it tasted like Peking duck. I don't know what it, like, is. It's not like any other sausage I've ever had, but I think it's that mix with the dough, uh, the the local flour, the salt, the water, something about the mix of that duck or the the um, sausage fat and the dough. Whatever it was, was just this magical Peking duck-ish um, aroma. There's this aromaticness to it, and uh, it's hard to believe, but it was tremendous. My mouth is watering right now just thinking about it. And you pair that with a table full of Italians and a Franciscana Hefeweizen, and you've got the most tremendous pizza experience of all time. Uh, and then after each person had finished a whole pizza, they brought this dessert, which was like, it's like fried donut bites covered in pistachio cream and then with powdered sugar on top. And then Roberto insisted that we try this local pastry, which is like a, a cream puff type thing. And it had the smoothest cream filling and also pistachio icing on top and also uh, powdered sugar. And then they brought us bottles of local liquors to sample. Like they had... Walnut flavor, apricot, blueberry, and it's just staggering the amount that we ate. We had some of the most delicious food I've ever had, and it's probably the least balanced meal I've ever had. It's just dough, sugar, and beer, which is all basically sugar when you boil that all down. And also meat and fat from the cheese and sausage. It's unbelievable. And uh, that was the best meal I had in Italy. Just really good stuff, really good company. Um, could not be topped. 
And the next day, after one last lunch with Roberto, Kwanza and I moved on to uh, this bed and breakfast near the uh, Naples Central Station because Roberto is he's, he's in school and he doesn't stay at home on week uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. So we we checked in um, in Naples and it uh, we just took it easy for the rest of the, of the evening because the weather wasn't much better. Um, just laid there and listened to uh, <laughs> listened to uh, a podcast with uh, with Jordan Peterson. Uh, that that could be a topic for a different podcast or something, but if you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, look him up. He's pretty controversial these days, but uh, uh, his uh, psychology knowledge is is um, really nice. I'm reading his book right now, his first one, Maps of Meaning. Check that out too. I'm not <laughs> I'm not like a ad for Jordan Peterson, but that's just what I'm uh, what I'm into these days. So uh, Thursday was our last day and the weather was significantly better so we ended up doing a lot and we started the day wandering the streets until we decided to get a a day pass for the metro because one of the things we wanted to see or a few of the things yeah just what we wanted to see that day were spread out so we visited uh castel nuovo which is one of the iconic castles in the city right on the waterfront of naples and it was cool, but kind of disappointing because the actual castle walls were closed for visitors. But I got a kick out of this um, big iron door that they had. There's this cannonball jammed right into it uh, from back in the day. Um, and uh, we ended up trading our tickets. And when we, when we were done visiting, we left and we traded our tickets for these nice art prints. Um, of the city of Naples and uh, the Amalfi Coast from a vendor outside, and um, yeah, I guess he could he could sell the tickets or something. I don't know what his plan was, but we've got these uh, these nice souvenirs now, so that's definitely it, it. Kind of felt like we were getting our money's worth in that way, and uh, we took the metro up to uh Vomero Hill, which is this the high point of the city where you can get a elevated view of Naples. And there's a couple fortresses and uh this uh this cathedral not really a cathedral, like a monastery up there, but it's a bit hard to figure out where it, to get the best viewpoints, but we got a few fine views of the city of Vesuvius and the Bay of Naples from up there. And for lunch uh, up there, I went to this place called uh, Fritoria Vomero, or Vomero Fritoria, in some way, shape, or form in that way, where they fry everything. So they do have the fried pizza, but I had the um, the bald <laughs> the bald uh, carbohydrates uh, that they that are so famous. Um, in this form uh, in Naples. So the first one was a ball of pasta, which was breaded and fried, which is like Italian overkill in my opinion. But yeah, it was it was delicious. And the next one was a ball of mashed potato, breaded and deep fried. That was delicious as well. And the last one was rice, balled up, breaded and deep fried. And that kind of called to my Asian, <laughs> like my Asian self, and it it really brought it all together. So you got the had the the big three carbohydrates, all breaded and deep fried.
which is a really bad, <laughs> it's like uh, such a terrible uh, way to have lunch, but that's how I did it, and it worked for me. And from there, one of the last things we saw was the Fontanella Cemetery, which is in the northern part of the city, and it's like the, the catacombs of Paris. You just walk in, and there's thousands of skulls stacked throughout the whole complex, which is, it's the size of a big cathedral, so just imagine skulls everywhere, everywhere, in a st uh, space that size. It's crazy, I've never seen anything like it. And there's one part that's just, it just looks like a shelf with femurs stacked about 20, 25 feet tall. I'm really bad at estimating, but it was, it was fucking tall. And um, all the space, the, the whole space was carved into the side of the hill. And it's hard to wrap your head around this many lives, like all these people, all these skulls, they had lives and each of the skulls held a consciousness before with all the, all the feelings that come with existence, you know what I mean? That you got joy, suffering, people falling in love, worrying about this and that, and it's overwhelming to think about this kind of... I think that's pretty... it's a little too deep, but it, it sets some perspective and you've got to have these kind of reflections from time to time. And the photos I took there are pretty awesome too, I'm not gonna lie. Um, we went back and after that and we relaxed a bit at the B&B the B &B, and then in the evening we went out to get some coffee at this chain called Mexico Cafe that, uh, that Roberto recommended and it has a really classy interior aesthetic and the guys working at the bar have really slick service outfits on and the coffee is some of the best I've had in Italy so it got us fired up and we just walked around the places we liked in the city center without rain this time so that was really really nice and just enjoyed the atmosphere one last time and for dinner we knocked out another pizza one pizza each at Gino Sorbillo's one more time and just really savored that last Neapolitan pizza of the trip it just it's just so fucking chewy and the tomato is so earthy it's it's I, I really I hope that the stuff in 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 New York by uh, Gino Sorbillo is the same because when I'm back in the States I want to know that I can get it again <laughs> um, and we stuck a couple beers uh, into the restaurant and it was a really way, good way to relax it's a relaxing experience and we had a window seat um, next to the street uh, you, you, you could, there's only four window seats so we were really lucky to get them but you you sit there and there's like the hungry onlookers waiting for their turn to get pizza and um, yeah I just thought that was really lucky that we we got those seats and the next morning we got our last coffees uh, there was a apparently a Mexico cafe right next to the central station, so we went there and uh, had our last coffees and uh, we're on our way back to Wroclaw. So, and that was my trip to Naples, to the Campania region of Italy, and it was unforgettable. Um, I'm glad I went and got to see it during low season, and I really want to see the rest of Italy now, 
that I've had my first taste. Uh, so that might be another trip coming up in the future, in the spring, hopefully. I think I'm done traveling for now. I think uh, the, as the winter progresses, I'm going to just take it easy. Um, but in the spring, for sure, I want to go somewhere. There's like a week or so off in May. And uh, in the summer, for sure, there'll be a lot of traveling, and a lot of travel stories to share with you all. So thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, tune in next time to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. Mm-hmm.